2 Corinthians chapter 4, starting at verse 1. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to every man's conscience inside of God. And that even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers, so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is, in the, who is the image of God. For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts, Give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Let's uh, maybe put your finger there or put something in there and uh, we'll pray before we, uh, we have a look at some of these verses. Let's pray. Lord God, we do thank you for your word, the Bible. Thank you that you are a God who has spoken in the past and continues to speak to us in the present. Thank you that you direct your church uh, by your word. And uh, by your spirit, we pray, Lord, that you would do that today. Um, in this time, uh, through your word, this, this passage here, Lord, help us to think about uh, what you're saying to us and how you want to equip us for life and ministry in your kingdom. And so we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, I would uh, say it's fair to say that if you look at our advertising, uh, whether that be on the internet, or on TV, or on the radio, we are a culture which has become obsessed with change. We want to see change, and particularly, we want to see things change about us. Think about the industries that have developed around the idea of body change. We have this idea that we cannot be satisfied with the way that we look, and so we need to change the way that we appear, appear to others. So we have entire industries that are built to support this. Uh, a fitness industry, gyms, personal training, boot camps, they seem to spring up uh, on every street corner. I live in a very small estate, and I know that we already have three personal trainers who are advertising in our letterbox every two weeks uh, in our little estate where we live. Think about the cosmetics industry tells us that we need to change our appearance. We need to change the way uh, that we look, the way that we come across to others. Think about the clothing industry. Our appearance matters. You need to change the way that you look to others. It goes beyond just our appearance as well. Uh, we're told that we need to change our financial situation, and we need to change it drastically. We have to invest. We need to be prepared. Uh, we need to put something away. We need to have a strategy. We've got to change our financial situation to be better equipped for the future. More than this, we need to change our outlook on life. We need to be happier people. We need to be more carefree. We need to be more ourselves. We need to improve who we are. And so again, entire industries are built around this need for change. You can buy books. You can watch DVDs. You can attend seminars and conferences and retreats. And they will help you, teach you to change yourself and be a better, happier uh, version of you. Now, those of us who follow Jesus, those who are, us who are involved in Christian ministry, we're all about change as well, aren't we? In many ways. 
We know that coming to faith in Jesus is not the end of a journey. It's just a big step in a journey of change. We know that coming to faith in Christ, life doesn't stop there. God changes us. He grows us. He renews us. He shapes our lives. Those of us who are actively involved in Christian ministry, and that's probably uh, all of us here, uh, we know that as well. We want to see God at work. We want to see Him bringing change. We want to see changes in the ministries that we undertake. We want to see group ministries grow and expand and multiply. I trust that it's one of the, the reasons why we're here today, is we want to learn and think about the ministries that we're involved with and how we, or we might be involved with and how we can do them better, how we can grow in them and how these ministries can be changed. And maybe above all else, we want to see change in other people. We want to see other people changed by the gospel for the sake of Jesus. We want to see people come to faith in Christ and have their hearts, their lives, their eternities changed by Him. We want to see changes brought to families and communities. We want to see the reign of Christ bring about change in the lives and the hearts of people. I trust that that's one of the reasons why we're here today. Because we are people who are passionate about seeing that change. Well, if I understand uh, the write-up correctly, when Dave gets up a little bit later, he's going to talk a little bit about how God works that change, particularly in the context of Christian community. How he works through the lives of fellow believers to bring about real change uh, in the lives of people. But I want to start today by thinking about how God brings about the most fundamental change of them all. How is it that people move from death to life? How is it that people have their hearts, their minds, their lives, their eternities changed forever? How does this happen? I want to do that by focusing particularly on verses 5 and 6 of this passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. This is a passage in which Paul is uh, outlining uh, some of his motivation for ministry. He's outlining what he does and he's outlining what he doesn't do. He's outlining why he does the things that he do, do, does, do. Oh, I've got that all wrong. That's okay. But verses 5 and 6 in particular, he outlines why it is that he is a gospel minister for Christ, what he does in that, and what God does to change the hearts and lives of people. Now, the reason why I want to do this this afternoon it's because I think this makes the world of difference to our lives and to our ministries. I suggest that this is the absolute bedrock foundation for life and for ministry. It gives us this tremendous assurance of our own salvation. It gives us good and right and proper motivation for life and ministry. It helps keeps us from pride, and it helps keeps us from 
despondency. It shows us, it motivates us, it, it shapes us to be doing the very best things in ministry, to be praying the right things in our prayers. So, now I understand, uh, from what I remember of my time at the RPC, is that this is actually the uh, subject of an entire dogmatics uh, subject, um, which of course we're not going to cover in the next 20 uh, minutes. Um, that's just not possible. What we're going to do is we're going to break this down into two parts. Paul has uh, two verses here. Uh, we're going to look at those two aspects uh, that he talks about. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to ignore the advice of Maria and the bomb traps, and we're going to start at the end. Uh, I'm going to start at verse 6. And the first thing uh, we want to see, people coming to faith, is that it happens as God shines his light into blind hearts. People come to faith when and only when God intentionally, miraculously intervenes in a life and in a heart to shine the light of the truth of the gospel on that dark heart. Now I think that when it comes down to it, we don't, we know it's not theologically, but practically, when it comes down to it, we often will put people in one of three categories. Society, Generally, we put them in one of three categories. Firstly, there's Christian people, saved people, good people. That's what category one. Category three, the end category, is really evil, far from God, hopelessly dark, blinded people. And so we, we, we have rapists and murderers and criminals and drug dealers, historical figures like Herod and uh, Hitler and Pol Pot, uh, despot leaders like uh, Robert Mugabe, uh, really horrible, evil people, dark, uh, far from God, far from the gospel. And in the middle, we have this large group of people that we kind of see as being spiritually neutral. They're not saved, they're not lost. They kind of just need this convincing that the gospel is real and they'll fall over the line. The sad news and the stark news when we read the Bible is that no such middle category even exists. And what's worse, we all start there in that third category. Evil dark, blind people who are far from God, who are far from Christ, who are far from knowing the truth of the gospel. Have a look at there what Paul says uh, in verse 4. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. What's he saying here? He's saying we, unbelievers, anybody before they know Christ, may be surrounded by light, but we sit under this thick, dark blanket through which that light cannot penetrate, or does not penetrate. We have our minds, our hearts, our lives are black and darkened. The God of the age, Satan, has done this. And so we might have people who believe that there is a God, we might have people who have been spiritually curious. 
Uh, we might have people who, who, who seem to live kind of good lives. The truth of the matter is, we start blinded by the godless age. Now, I wonder if you've ever wondered why it is that our world is such a horrific place. Why is it that our world suffers so much injustice and abuse? Why is it that we, we mix with people in the wider community and we meet families that are torn apart, marriages that break up, kids that are out of control? Why is it that we see the uh, Royal Commission looking into child sexual abuse across all aspects of society? Why is it that we have wars that do not seem to stop? Why is it that we struggle with addictions? Why all these things? This four has our answer. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is in Jesus. We are closed to the good news of Jesus. And because we're closed to the good news of Jesus, we are closed to God and Father. But God. Verse 6, for God. This is the situation, verse 4, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness. When did God say that? It's Genesis chapter 1, isn't it? The world was dark and void, and God spoke and he said, let there be light, and there was. Incredibly, God's amazing power is shown in the creation of light out of darkness. God miraculously, incredibly intervenes and creates light in the middle of darkness. God's creative power is on display. What happened? The God who said, light shone out of darkness, God, the God who is powerful, the God who intervenes, uh, the God who miraculously performs, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. What is it? How is it that people, darkness, living in darkness under the sick blanket, can come to a point of salvation, can come to be changed by God. God intentionally and miraculously and wonderfully intervenes to shine His light in our hearts, give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. What happens? God amazingly enables these blind minds to see and to know See his greatness, his glory, his power. See that he was God's son, sent into this world to rescue, redeem, bring back sinners. And in seeing Christ, the face of Christ, he has given us the knowledge of the glory of God. We come to know the true, living, holy Almighty God of heaven and earth. Now, uh, a couple of months ago, uh, we as a family, we were visiting some friends in uh, another city, and uh, they've just built and moved into a, a brand new house. We've stayed with them in their old house before, but this is the first time we've stayed in the new house. 
And I had this, uh, one of the experiences one night. Um, I couldn't sleep, and so I wanted to get up and I wanted to do some reading because my wife was asleep next to me. I didn't want to do it there, so I got up. And I started wandering around the house, and I could not, for the life of me, find a light switch. And you know what it's like in every corner you go around and you start patting the wall like you're a detective looking for a weapon, you know, you sort of try to pat it down. And you, you're worried about knocking a vase over, you know, a stand and what you're going to stand on. Well, the button you are going to hit is the alarm button. It's 2 a.m. and everybody's going to wake up. You know, so you're just, you're wandering around blind. That's a picture of us, but with one big difference. We're not even looking for a switch. We are wandering around, hopelessly lost. Hopelessly dark, not even looking for a way out. But God said, Let light shine in the darkness, let his light shine in our hearts. How is it that anyone comes to faith? Because God Himself miraculously and purposefully intervenes into our lives. You know what this does? This gives us absolutely incredible assurance of our salvation. If we trust in and believe in Jesus, this is not because we decided to. This is not because we miraculously or on our own figured out the gospel. It happened because God made his life shine. And so when we hit times of trial, and struggle, whether that be in our own personal life, whether that be in our ministries, when we have times where we start to wonder, this is all going so bad, am I even saved? Then remember, God made his life shine. God was the one who miraculously intervened in our lives. You know, this incredibly keeps us or holds us from pride. There is no place to say, look at me, I figured out the gospel. I figured out how this works. I figured out who Jesus is. I figured out what God was doing in him. It's incredible. No way. This causes humility. Wow. God, you shone your light. That's, that's amazing. I was dark. I was blind. I was under a blanket. And you did this. When people come to faith in our churches, in our ministries, there's no cause for saying, hey, look how good we're doing. Now, we must be explaining the gospel really well here. We, we're doing an incredible oh, job. Look, people are going to faith. No, God made his light shine. Thank you, God. That's incredible. What a gift that you made your light shine into dark hearts and you brought people to faith. Causes us to pray right prayers. Thank you, God, for your grace. Thank you for your intervention. It causes us to plead with Him for the salvation of others. God, would you be at work? Would you cause your light to shine? Would you be at work? It gives us good and right and proper motive for ministry. God, you did this. 
You caused your light to shine. My life belongs to you. I'm going to follow you and serve you and do what you call me to do. Because you saved people. Because you caused your light to shine in your hands. Alright, that's the first uh, aspect we want to have a look at here. Verse 6. God makes his light shine in our hearts. Now we want to jump back to verse 5 and see the second part of that. And really it's because of verse 6 that verse 5 is possible. For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. God shines his light on blind hearts. What do we do? We preach Christ. And it's because as we preach Christ that God intervenes and opens blind hearts, shines his light on blind hearts. Now as Paul is uh, writing to the Corinthians, you probably uh, know a little bit about this, uh, he is writing to a church into which, uh, in which he has been opposed uh, many different times. Uh, he's writing into a context in which uh, preachers and teachers have arisen who are spectacular in their appearance and in their presentation. Uh, they know how to preach. They are, they are crowd drawers uh, when it comes to it. The difficulty is, is that their preaching is very much self-promotion. It's very much about making themselves known and making a reputation for themselves. So look at what, what he says there, back in, in verse 2. He says, rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. He's saying, we are distinguished from those other preachers. We're not about uh, building ourselves up, promoting ourselves. In fact, what we want to do is set forth the truth plainly. Uh, we want to present uh, the facts, the truth to you. And then in verse 5, he tells us what that truth and what the content of that preaching is. For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. There's two aspects of this I want to consider just very briefly. Firstly, he says, we preach Jesus Christ as Lord. Because God is the one who opens blind hearts, we don't need to preach ourselves. We want to preach Jesus Christ as Lord. We want to proclaim the good truth of the gospel. We want to proclaim Jesus, God's Son, come into this world, God's answer for sin and for sinners, uh, his work on the cross, uh, God's right, just punishment on him in our place. His rising from the dead, being declared the Son of God uh, in power. His reigning from the right hand of God and bringing about his kingdom and repentance and faith in his name. That is to be the core message of our preaching. That is to be the one truth that everything else is boiled down to. Jesus Christ as Lord. No hobby horses, no self-promoting, uh, nothing else but the gospel. 
Notice he's got a second part to that as well. He says, we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. Now, why, why, would, why, why would he put that in there? Why, why would he add that in there? Paul knows that in his ministry, his preaching is not divorced from the rest of his life. His preaching is not a cause for self-promotion and self-glory. His preaching is backed up by a life of servanthood for the sake of others. So we preach Christ and ourselves as your servants. Ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. He says we go about our ministry in such a way that backs up the gospel that Jesus Christ is the one that we point to. That he's the one that we, we focus on. Not ourselves and, and, and not who we are and what we've done. So Paul is outlining a counter to the self-promoting preachers of the day. Really their preaching was to preach ourselves and Jesus Christ as our servant for our sake. Jesus was the means of self-promotion and self-glory. Paul said, no, it doesn't work like that. Because God shines his light on blind hearts. Because the power is in the gospel of Christ, we preach him. We preach him publicly, we preach him in homes, and we proclaim him as Lord with our actions as well. We live as servants, your servants, for Jesus' sake. So let me ask us, let me uh, challenge us to think. Is Jesus Christ as Lord the heart and soul of our preaching? of our teaching, of our proclamation, of our churches, is proclaiming Jesus Christ as Lord, the very heart, the very core of who we are and what we are as churches. This is not one aim to be placed along a whole lot of others. This is to be the goal and the ambition above all else, to proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord. See, I think, and I know this for myself, the false teachers in the Corinthian church, that is such an easy trap to fall into, that preaching Christ really becomes the way of self-promotion. Most people who go into ministry, because most people like to be liked, we like to have people look up to us, we like it when people admire us. It's very easy for us to preach ourselves and Jesus Christ is our servant. To preach in a way where we are the centre of attention. In our churches, it's very easy to have this as a subservient goal to others. Maybe often unspoken. That our primary goals are to be comfortable or to be well-liked. Want to be popular, 
more influential amongst churches and proclaiming Jesus Christ as Lord somehow fits under that. Paul's calling us back. God's calling us to a priority of proclaiming Jesus Christ as Lord. That everything we do comes under that God. Everything is evaluated by how does this help us, enable us to proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord. Because God shines his light on dark hearts. It's only through Christ that people are changed. People are not changed by self-improvement. People are not changed by being part of a nice community. People are changed by Jesus, because God makes his light shine in our dark hearts. Let's pray to that God, shall we? Lord God, we, uh, we humbly want to thank you for this fantastic, uh, miraculous truth that you shine your light into our hearts. Lord, we know and we confess that without that we are hopelessly lost people. We are devoid of light and life and hope. Our only hope is in the gospel of Jesus. Lord God, we pray that we would be people whose hearts and lives not only know that truth, but are shaped so very clearly by it. Pray, Lord, that this would be our hope and our joy and our peace. And Lord, that you would shape us and equip us to be those who then preach Jesus Christ as Lord. Forgive us the times when uh, we proclaim ourselves and we want to be the hero. And we ask, Heavenly Father, would you make us humbly reliant and humble servants? of our Saviour Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.